this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. reading from the Old Testament book of Psalms, Psalm 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cry to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from show, and you restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, all you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, and I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This is the word of the Lord. As we begin the series called Psalms of Summer, we're going to be looking at a different psalm every week, and the the psalms that we are focusing on are also songs that we we know are songs, and so singing is a a beautiful expression, and I enjoy singing uh, all kinds of songs. I have a playlist as well, not as cool as Larry's, but uh, I do have some playlists myself. But I, I think music is so powerful, and you can go to concerts and, um, and just see all kinds of different people coming together, singing songs and uniting, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing a lot of times. And sometimes we're uniting for things that, that aren't beautiful things. We're singing songs that are glorying, glorying in something other than God. It's a powerful medium of expression. But I, maybe like you, don't always feel like singing songs of joy to the Lord. There are times in my life when I'm downcast because I've failed, I've lost my temper, or I've failed someone somehow. 
And at that point, I don't feel like singing a joyful song to the Lord. There are times when I lose loved ones and they pass away and I don't feel like singing songs of joy to the Lord. This psalm that we're looking at tonight is Psalm 30 and it it deals with almost all of those topics of, of seasons of life where you go through defeat, you go through difficulties, but still you're going to see that eventually you'll get back to a season in your life where you're ready to sing again because there is always a reason to sing. Even though you may not do it in that moment, God is going to give us a reason for that, even when we don't see it or feel like it. And so if you want to follow along in your worship folder, there should be an outline with some blanks to fill out. We've got a brand new logo on there, or whatever you call it. We'll go with logo, for lack of a better word. And so uh, we've had Stranger Beings on there for almost half a year, and now we have Psalms of Summer. And we're going to have three points tonight that we will be looking at to help us remember truths of why there's always a reason for us to sing. And we'll start with number one. Number one is have faith in victory in the face of defeat. There's always a reason to sing. Number one, have faith in victory in the face of defeat. Some of you may have seen Chris Pratt give his acceptance a speech for the MTV Generational Award. And one of the things I liked about it is he, one of his nine points was that you've been told your whole life that you're perfect. Well, you're not. You're not perfect. You need to understand that you're going to make mistakes and you need to be okay with that. And I thought, yes. And he said other things, too, about his faith in God and, and how it applies to our lives. That is so important because we've grown up in a world to where we have a lot of parents have told their kids over and over that you're, you, you, everyone gets a trophy, everyone's a winner, you're perfect just the way you are. But the Christian faith comes in and says just the opposite of that. It, it, it admits to us that, no, you're not perfect. In fact, you're broken beyond repair, that there's nothing you can do in your own power in order to be perfected. There's nothing you can do in order to, to be all that you hope to be. So this means that we will have defeats in our life. We will fail. My son's baseball team was defeated 13 times this season. We had two wins, 13 losses, and a tie. Now I count the ties, another loss, because uh, it, just, it just wasn't a win. Uh, so you have setbacks and failures, but it's okay. We're not supposed to be perfect on our own. But just because you have been defeated or just because you failed, just because you've had setbacks, doesn't mean that you are defeated. It doesn't mean that's where you're heading. It's not the final story. And so we see in Psalm chapter 30, verse 1 through 4, I'll read it for us again, we see this concept of having faith in victory in the face of defeat. So I'm having faith that victory is coming, even though right now I see defeat. It says, I will extol you, I will praise you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you brought me up, uh, brought up my soul from Sheol, which is the, the place of the dead, or it's a uh, um, it's, it's just the ultimate defeat of death. He said, you've brought me up from this, and you've restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, 
and give thanks to his holy name. So David had felt the sting of defeat. He had been down in the depths of despair, and God brought him out of that. And so when we are in seasons of that, we should remember that this is temporary, that God is going to bring us out of this, that it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but eventually God will give us that victory. Joseph is a famous character in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, and he was... um, uh, betrayed by his brothers. He was sold into slavery uh, by them. He, was, he worked his way up, and he was put in prison again uh, as an innocent man. And many things happened to him that were beyond unfair. Eventually, his brothers who sold him into slavery come before him, and he's raised to power by God's favor. And his brothers stand before him, not knowing that it's Joseph. And they're asking for help because they're starving. There's a famine, and Joseph is the only one who has food, the power to give them food. And he ends up showing, revealing himself to them, saying, I'm your brother, and they fall down at their feet, and they apologize to him, and he says these words. He says, what you meant for harm, God used for good. And so think about that. Joseph, for years and years and years, was in defeat. Many different kinds of defeat. And it's not the, the defeat of having your brother sell you out, literally, and leave you for dead and to cast you away is a tremendous wound. But ultimately, he got to the point where he said, what was meant for harm, what you meant for harm, God used for good. He brought victory from that great defeat. It became clear for him on that day. Well, that day might not be here for us. We may be in that season where we've been sold, where we are in despair, and we don't see how God can use this. I imagine Joseph was like that. He's like, I don't know what I did to deserve this. You know, I didn't do anything wrong. It's not my fault that my dad likes me more than him. It's not my fault that he favored me. It's not my fault that I got these dreams from God. I imagine there were lots of ups and downs for him. But eventually it became clear. And so there's ups and downs in our lives. There's a lot of defeat. There's a lot of failure. There's a lot of setbacks. But eventually God is going to come through. And there's going to be a day where it will be clear to us like, oh, that's what you were doing. I never would have orchestrated that way. I would have done it a lot easier, Lord. <laughs> I would have made things a lot easier for me. But for some reason, God uses these things, and, and I don't have, I don't pretend to have all the answers for why. I think it would be unwise to do that for sure. But God is so far above what's going on here. Uh, we are called to have faith that even in the midst of the hostility and defeat around us, somehow God is going to use it for his good. Victory is coming. And ultimately, we know that victory is coming because it has already come in the resurrection of Christ. When he defeated the ultimate enemy of death in his resurrection, we know that for all who believe in Christ, that same promise is there for us. Have faith in victory in the face of defeat. And the way you have that faith in victory is by having your faith in Jesus. Number two. The life Jesus gives us will outlast the loss we experience. The life Jesus gives us will outlast the loss we experience. Many of us have experienced the loss of loved ones, the loss of relationships, divorces, children who have run amok and astray and broken... um, that relationship, we've, we've experienced losses. 
It's still hard for me to understand how some children, especially, to see them suffer. And right now we see um, immigrant families being separated. That's all in the news right now of, of, of immigrants that are coming through and they're being separated. And it's a, a very traumatic experience for those children and those families. Great losses are experienced around the world. You know what? This is just a thought I had. And I hope I'll finish it correctly. I love how the gospel gets real and it acknowledges that life is difficult. I love it that I can sit down with with you and just say, you know what? This is terrible. What's happening here stinks. I don't know how this is going to work out. We don't have to pretend that everything's okay. We can be real with one another. It's okay for you to tell me, dude, I am struggling in this area. I feel like giving up in this area. We can acknowledge that there is loss that we deal with in our life. And at the same time, we acknowledge that there is life that we have been given through Christ. It's not one or the other. We don't have to pick sides. The gospel deals with both. We mourn when people mourn. We rejoice when they rejoice. And the gospel brings us, it brings clarity to the loss that we have. It brings meaning to it that one day God will redeem it. In Psalm chapter 30, verses 5 through 7, it reads, For his anger, and it's speaking of God's anger, his wrath, his anger is for a moment. And this, this is uh, like the discipline of a father to a child. That when we do wrong, God will discipline us. And it's a good thing. And Hebrews talks about that no one rejoices, yay, discipline me. Even an earthly child doesn't like it when they're disciplined by their children, by their father, by their parents. But it's something that's, that lasts for a moment, and it's there because God loves us. It's for a moment. That happens, yes. But what is for a lifetime? His favor is for a lifetime. He always looks upon you as your child of favor. And then weeping may tarry or linger or be around for the night. But guess what? Joy is coming with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. And this is a verse that when we are feeling uh, the, the favor of favor, the favor of God in our lives, the power and the presence of God in our life, we feel that power of foundation that we will never be moved. I will not be shaken because God is with me. And then verse 7, it says, By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. Isn't that wonderful? The strength that God gives to his children. But look at the rest, the second half of this verse. What's true dismay? What's true despair? What's true despondency? You hid your face, and I was dismayed. That's what's really terrifying about our world, our lives, is that a life without God in it is the terrifying, the most terrifying thing that could happen to us. When you hid your face from me, I was dismayed. So going back up to verse 5, and it, where it says, his anger is for a moment. This is wonderful news for us because God doesn't hold a grudge like you do. We could have conversations, and I bet you have people in your life that you still have trouble being around. If that's me, I'm sorry. We can talk later. God doesn't hold a grudge like you do. 
He doesn't hold a grudge like I do. So when we have offended God, we have sinned against him, we have done wrong, what we can do is we can rejoice and sing in this moment and say, thank you, God, for your forgiveness. Thank you that I'm starting fresh. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love for me. And Lord, thank you for your unmerited favor. And that gives us reason to sing to him. Lamentations chapter 3 has these scriptures in it. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It never stops. His mercies never, say never, never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Isn't that wonderful news? That no matter what I've done, the Lord wants to pour out his mercy upon me, and he will do it. So if God is doing that for us, if I go to God and I've failed him miserably at times, if I go to him and he says, you're washed clean, there's no sin over you because Jesus paid for it all, what does that do for me? What kind of relief does that bring to me? What kind of life does that bring to me? What kind of joy does that bring to my heart? It brings the kind of joy and relief and love to my heart that allows me to walk like Ephesians chapter 4 tells us to do. In verse 31, Paul is writing a letter and he gets to this point and he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Get rid of it. Along with all malice. Then he goes positive. Here's what to do instead. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. You can't do that until you have the forgiveness from God. That's an impossible command for an unforgiven person to go through. You're going to suffer miserably trying to follow this commandment, following this scripture. But for the heart that has embraced forgiveness and mercy from love and the freedom from all those things, now when you can look at other people, you will see an opportunity for you to give to others what God is now giving to you. Forgiving one another, tenderhearted for one another, being kind to one another, and to the level that God in Christ has forgiven you. Some of you need to take new depths, uh, another depth in your walk with the Lord in understanding his forgiveness for you tonight. You need to go to new depths that you've never known before and realize how wonderful his forgiveness is for you because right now you're holding other people accountable and you're not letting them off the hook and you're not forgiving them and it's causing issues out there and it's causing bitterness within your own heart. And you need to find that freedom you have been forgiven so much. Now that you have know that, you can forgive others. Typically, the more you realize you've been forgiven, the more forgiving you will be to others. So if you don't feel peace, if you don't have that forgiveness, then you're going to be harsh to others. You're going to judge them. You're going to condemn them. But if you've been set free from the bondage of sin and death, then it's going to become easier and easier and easier for you to forgive others 
and to love others from a pure heart. Number two on the list is the life Jesus gives us will outlast the loss we experience. Number three, the joy. You hear my voice cracking a little bit? So I'm a little under the weather. So one reason to sing is, is not when you can't sing. You know, I, I really can't sing tonight. Uh, I just lip-synced. I was like, uh, uh, what's that group? Millie Vanilli, yeah. I was Millie Vanilli on the front row. Just lip-syncing. All right, enough of that. Number three. The joy of Sunday overwhelms the darkness of what? Friday. This is referring to the resurrection, the crucifixion on Friday and the resurrection of Jesus on Sunday. The joy of Sunday morning, the joy of the resurrection overwhelms the darkness of Friday. We have a lot to be worried about in our world. There's a lot of things that we could look at and, and, and be almost paralyzed with anxiety over. But I can't think of anything worse than the Son of God dying. I can't think of anything worse than the Messiah on the cross whose promise was to bring the new kingdom to earth dying and his disciples seeing him die. The depths of despair they must have felt is beyond what I can comprehend. But then there came Sunday. Look in Psalm chapter 30, verses 10 through 12. It says, Hear, O Lord, listen, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You see a, a dependent person on God, which is good. You have turned for me my mourning, my grieving, my, my, my suffering. You've turned that into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. So Jesus turned the ultimate mourning, the ultimate grief, the ultimate despair, he turned it into dancing. His followers were despondent when he was crucified. All of their hope was gone. They, on Friday at the cross, had their hopes and their dreams die when Jesus breathed his last breath. And then comes Sunday morning. The women were going to the tomb where his dead body was laid. They were going to anoint a dead, decaying body because the stench of death was there. But when they got there, the stone was rolled away. There was no dead Jesus. In fact, they encountered an angel of God who told them that Jesus was no longer here. Why are you looking for him here? He's alive. He's not here just like he told you. But you weren't listening. You didn't understand. And the angel told them to go and to tell the others, to tell disciples. And then they said, and Peter. Go tell Peter about Jesus. Peter was the only one mentioned by name by the angel. And this is Really amazing story. You've probably heard this before. I hope you have. If not, buckle up. Peter had just denied Jesus on Friday afternoon three times before the rooster crowed. He denied him. 
And he had just made this claim to Jesus a short time before that. I will never deny you. And Jesus said, no, nah, that's not true. Actually, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. I say, no, nah, not me, not me. And he did. And he went away despondent and despair and um, had to be the lowest of the low. But when he heard the news that Jesus had rose from the dead, his mourning turned to, uh, first of all, probably skepticism because immediately he runs to the tomb because he has to see for himself. And evidently John was faster than Peter because John tells us that he outran Peter to the tomb, which is a pretty cool story if you think about it. So Peter gets there to the tomb and he sees that, that Jesus is alive and eventually, instead of being in dis- despair and, and sadness over the fact that Jesus had died and he had failed him, he gets to eventually stand before Jesus and see him alive and to see that Jesus releases him from all of that guilt of his failure. His mourning turned to dancing. And Jesus caused Peter to live differently for the rest of his life. Peter felt the weight of his imperfection. He felt the weight of his sin. I mean, he denied the Messiah literally to his, I don't know if it's to his face, but there. I've done some bad stuff, but that sounds pretty bad to me. He felt the weight of that, and then Jesus came back and not only restored him, but said, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. I've got big plans for you. I know you failed, but it's not over yet. Listen, I don't know how you failed, but I know you have, but it's not over yet. You're breathing right now, because God is causing breath to be in your lungs. He has a plan for you. He wants to do things through you that he cannot do through me or anyone else. He's created you in his image. He's redeemed you by the blood of Jesus. And he will use your imperfections somehow, whether they were meant for harm or not. He will use them for good. You're going to face difficult times in your life, You will have times when you will not feel like singing, but because of Jesus, there is always a reason to sing. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. Amen? Praise be to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you for the hope that you give to us. Thank you that you reconciled our losses and our sins and our, our imperfections with the, the hope that because Jesus was perfect and but through faith in him, God, that we will be used by you and we will be given new life and that we will be able to walk with you in a, a newness that we've never known before. Lord, I pray for our hearts tonight where we are holding on to unforgiveness toward other people. Lord, I pray for our hearts tonight where we are not understanding how forgiven we are because there are people here tonight walking in shame when they shouldn't. There are people here tonight that have confessed sin to you over and over and they still confess it because they don't understand that you have forgiven them. So tonight, Lord, I pray that you would break through those walls and they would feel your forgiveness like Peter did that day. That they would walk new and they would see that I do have hope and that I have confessed it and I have turned from it and I have a new life 
You have given us voices. You've given us the gift of music. And Lord, I pray that we would find ways to sing praises to you and that we would be like David. And we would say, Lord, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth. You have clothed me with gladness that I may glory and I may sing your praise and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Amen.